Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If your metro don't trust you, I'm going to Welcome to Round and Third, presented by SoCalledFantasyExperts.com. And now, here are your hosts, Nick and T. What's going on out there, folks? It's your boy on Twitter at Hootay, spelled with a U, not an O. And, of course, I got my co-host in the house with me tonight at Nick Slagle on Twitter. Folks, this is another edition of Rounding Third Podcast on the so-called Fantasy Experts Network, uh, sponsored a little bit by OnThePlay.com. Nick, first week of baseball, well, first couple of weeks of baseball are now officially in the books uh, we've got a little bit more numbers to mess with, and we're going to talk about, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, some people that are hot, some people that are cold, and we'll talk a little bit about DFS here and there. Nick, why don't you let them know? How's it going, guys? So, you know, this was, this was a good first week of baseball, man. I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, my dude, Trevor Story, just continued his dominant performance. The only player in Major League history now with seven home runs in his first six games uh, leads, as of this moment anyway, leads MLB in uh, home runs of seven, RBIs of 12, and he's just behind Tyler White in slugging percentage of 1.11111. Uh, it's, you know, I, I don't know what to say about it anymore. We, we keep praising him. He keeps not letting us down. Um, it's evident that he a lot of people are buying into him when you look at ownership numbers and even DFS prices. Uh, His price went up across the board, not as high as I thought it would, but it went up. And looking at ownership percentage, he was the second highest change on ESPN League. Like a 69% jump. He's like 95% owned now. So just like, you know, that last week was your only chance to get in on him basically at a good price. Yeah, at a very, very good price. I guess the the one troublesome stat to Trevor Story's numbers so far is the 8Ks. Uh, it seems like it's very much all or nothing at this point. You know, obviously, if he's giving you the home runs, you don't really give a shit. But at the same time, you know, it's a bit worrisome. Uh, that's why a lot of people are trying to scream sell high, uh, that the numbers can't continue this way. But, I mean, we're only through, like, a week and a half of baseball, and he already has seven home runs. I know we talked about the last podcast where, you know, I threw out the question of whether or not he would probably get the 25 or 30 home runs. Uh, if he stays healthy and he keeps raking, I mean, I don't see why he doesn't get to at least 25 by season's end. He's already, you know, damn near a fucking quarter of the way there. So Trevor Story, if you own him, I, I think it's just kind of a personal, you know, gauge thing. It depends on what you need for your team. Uh, if you got Zach Grinky right now, you know, you're probably looking to try and bolster your team's ERA a little bit. Uh, hmm. You know, I, I don't really know where you'd go. I, I feel like, and I said this at the last podcast, where I feel like if you own Trevor Story, 
I honestly would hold right now. I mean, if he's hitting bombs at the rate that he's hitting them right now, I, you just got to hold. I think you got to hold if these numbers for as long as you can. Obviously, uh, there's a sell-high window. But at the same time, I just I don't know if I'd move him just yet because seven home runs, and we're not even two weeks within the season. He's only played like three games at core so far. I, I I like what I see. I mean, you were you were singing his praises before the season started, and I, I think that you know it's going to be kind of a personal what your team looks like kind of thing. Obviously, you know if you got like Lucas Duda and like uh, you know Devin Mazzarocco at catcher, or you know you got um, some scrub at second base. You know if you got a bunch of scrubs, and then all of a sudden you kind of just lucked in the Trevor story. Obviously, yeah, you could probably make a move and make your team a little bit better. But if you got some studs, and you know you drafted Trevor Story in later rounds, and you're starting him just because he's hot right now, I say ride the hot streak. At some point. He's going to get cold, and if he gets cold, you'll be able to sell him. Obviously, you're not going to be able to sell him at the price that you'll be able to sell him at now. But I think that the the exchange of stats that you're getting right now from Trevor Story versus the stats that you would be potentially losing if you tried to sell high now, um, I think the stats right now and the stats going forward until we start seeing him cool off are a little bit more valuable than trying to sell high into this window right now. Yeah, you know, of all the, like, rookies or youngsters that are hot right now, he's the one that I have the hardest time giving trade advice for because I think it really just depends on what you're looking for specifically in a team and what you're working with. You know, if you're trying to bring your team ERA under 10, maybe he's the type of player that can get you that type of deal. Um, if you're really needing, like you said, like a first base and second base and catch or something and you can get a package. But it's also, if you look at the flip side, this is one of those players that when you're trying to trade with somebody, you're either going to get offers that probably aren't up to snuff for you. And any counter offer you make is probably going to feel that, you know, they're going to be a little wary of him regressing and that they might be giving up too much. So it's, it's going to be one of those where you might send like, five or six trade offers back and forth before you even get remotely close to something that works for both of you. Um, but speaking of like the, you know, the youngsters doing well so far, uh, a couple other guys that have really started off hot, uh, Tyler White, who I mentioned just a bit ago, um, called up to replace the injured Evan Gaddis to start the season for Houston, just raking, uh, dudes hitting bombs left and right, um, leads the league in batting average, uh, just insane numbers. Kind of like Trevor's story, though, kind of boom or bust. Um, a lot of swing and misses, only a couple strikeouts, though, but he has a few less at-bats than everybody else. Um, and then your dude from Cincinnati, Eugenio Suarez, hot in the first week of baseball. Um, doing really, really, really well. Uh, another guy I was watching on ESPN make quite a jump in leagues. Um, and then a not-so-youngster anymore. Oh, man, this guy really surprised me when I looked at the numbers, dude. Mark Trumbo, of all people, is fourth in Major League Baseball in batting average, and he has as many at-bats as everybody else. I, I don't even know how that's possible, but even at this point, I have a hard time saying, hey, guys, you know, buy this guy low right now because, I mean, it's Mark Trumbo. He's probably going to strike out 20 times this week if I tell somebody to do that. Yeah, it, well, see, I, let's start with Mark Trumbo first because I have kind of like this unhealthy love affair with Mark Trumbo. Uh, <laughs> he was one of the guys that, you know, four or five years back, 
you know, the 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 Angels were, you know, talking about calling him up and, you know, the whole injury to Kendry Morales kind of forced their hand. And he had a productive, you know, call up and then had a productive, you know, following year. And then kind of the, the wheels kind of fell off and they fell off really, really hard with this guy. I think that, you know, maybe the change of scenery has kind of maybe revitalized his career uh, in some regards. Obviously, yes, it is still Mark Trumbo. He is going to bring a lot of strikeouts. That batting average is definitely going to come down at some point. But I think that what you're getting out of Mark Trumbo right now, I I kind of like what you just said where, you know, you could probably buy low into Mark Trumbo just because of the fact that people are thinking, okay, yeah, this is Mark Trumbo. This can't last. And so you're going to get Mark Trumbo for Mark Trumbo price, but at the same time, I think I think Mark Trumbo can actually provide some solid value the rest of the way, and I think that you hit the nail on the head saying that you know buying low on him could be a kind of a good deal for you. The other two guys, uh, you know, the Tyler White situation, you know, hey, we've seen it in sports. It doesn't matter what sports. Somebody gets hurt, somebody gets the playing time, somebody sees it today, and I think this is a situation where Tyler White's going to seize the day. Hopefully, you know, he doesn't cool off to the point where, you know, if Gaddis is in AAA and then, you know, he's doing his rehab starts and then he comes up and automatically puts his Tyler White out out the lineup. I think that what he's doing right now, I actually kind of like a little bit better than Trevor Story. Uh, I, li- I obviously like the situation that he's in in Houston. Not saying that the Colorado Rockies are necessarily a bad team, especially – you know, offensively, uh, I think that maybe Trevor Story is on the better offensive team right now. But I think long term, Tyler White for me could be you know a really really good candidate in trying to get somebody that's going to give you not necessarily you know you having to buy into the Trevor Story price, but being able to get in there, get a guy that's young, uh, healthy right now. He can provide stats, quality stats for you the rest of the way, where I think, you know, Trevor Story, he's, there's going to be a wall coming at some point. And Suarez, uh, it, it, it's very interesting with Suarez, you know, living here in Cincinnati. Uh, obviously, I have sort of an inside scoop on the situation. And Todd Frazier was, you know, Cincinnati king. You know, obviously the, the home run derby champion a year ago. Um, but I think that the Cincinnati Reds were in a situation where there was no way that they could give Todd Frazier the money that he pretty much kind of demanded at that point. And Suarez was always a guy that they were going to bring up. It was just a matter of where he was going to play. And third base is his primarily, you know, position. Whereas, you know, with the Reds being so young, one of the youngest teams in baseball – uh, obviously, the writing was on the wall. They had to do a little bit of rebuilding. They moved a lot of people out. Uh, there wasn't any way they could give the money to any of these, a lot of these guys, in order to keep them from st- to stay here. And with Suarez, the pop has always been there. Uh, you know, he hit 13 home runs a year ago, and you know, kind of, you know, just over 370 at bats. So the pop's always been there. I like Suarez probably the best of the bunch, 
just because the situation's a little bit more, I guess, solidified, obviously I think Trevor Story, as long as he's healthy, he's probably going to be the shortstop for the Rockies. I think the Tyler Wright situation is definitely something you're going to have to monitor because of the fact that, you know, Gaddis, you know, is a part of that ball club. They're going to want to try and get Gaddis at bats. And from what it looks like on that team, he would probably be the one to get his at-bats taken away. And I think that Suarez is in a comfortable situation here in Cincinnati where, you know, he's hitting most days in front of Joey Votto. Uh, so you got that going for him right there, one of the best hitters in baseball. No knock to, you know, Cargo over in Colorado or no knock to, I guess, Springer over in uh, Houston. But with Joey Votto, one of the best first baseman as far as offensively offensively is concerned, I think the Suarez has an opportunity to really break out and flourish. Uh, he hit 13 home runs a year ago, and I think that, you know, 20, 25, it's not really out of the realm of possibility if he stays healthy. No, I agree completely. Um, and I think, like you said, too, especially with Tyler White, it's one of the situations where you really need to watch it. Um, at any point, they're going to try to obviously get Evan Gaddis into the mix, get him at bats. If Tyler White suffers, he could be sent back down just to get him every day at bats and keep him, you know, on pace. Um, whereas our story, unless he really suffers, um, he's going to be the shortstop there. They look like they're trying to move on and distance themselves from Jose Reyes as much as they can, even with his, like his whole court case getting thrown out in Hawaii. Um, there's still probably a team where uh, MLB suspension coming from that. Um, and then with Eugenio, you know, solid third base and going to be the third baseman every day, even with Zach Cozart well over at the top, that doesn't affect him. Um, so you don't, you know, that's probably the safest one right there. Um, flipping from the good of the first to the bad. Um, and this one, this is just the greatest parody for me because we talk about Mark Trumbo, you know, having one of the best batting averages in baseball. And then on the flip side, uh, his wonder kid former teammate, Mike Trout, dude, he's hitting 211 as of right now. No hits first two games. Um, only one multi-home or multi-hit game, excuse me, this first week. Uh, he's looked not good so far. I don't know what it is, but just watching him at the um, looking more eager, swinging at more pitches you would normally see him take um, behind on more balls. I don't know what happened to Trouty, but he has not started the season well. Yeah, he's not started the season well, and I I honestly think, okay, we've seen this from the Angels the last couple of years where they put Trout in that three-hole, and I just think it's the pitches that Trout's getting right now. Uh, obviously, a lot of the mechanics are a little rusty it looks like as well as far as the time is concerned but I think it might be the pit selection given to him in that three spot considering the people that are hitting in front of him aren't really all that great and so he's going to struggle I think that you know obviously Sosha is you know aware that Mike Trout's struggling right now and so look for them to move him back to that two hole uh, where, you know, obviously you don't want Mike Trout, one of the best players in baseball, to bat in the two-hole. You would rather have him bat in that three-hole. But I think that considering the pitches that he's getting, he's going to have to move back to that two-hole in order to get more comfortable and get jump-started a little bit. Absolutely. I agree with you completely there. Um, so this is something we talked about on the last show as well. 
Um, the Chase Utley rule, you know, it, it, it kind of really affected um, the outcome of the Toronto game last week. Um, but it's actually popped up quite a few times already. Uh, I don't, you know, most people don't watch Brewers games, and a ton of people probably don't even watch Astros games. But it actually popped up twice this weekend uh, in the Brewers and Astros series, uh, a couple other places across baseball. I, I feel like this is this is going to be way worse than any sort of repercussions we thought were going to happen with the home run coll- or wow the home plate collision rule, um, which largely I mean has made for very boring plays at home plate, but hasn't had that many controversial calls. Uh, we've seen five or six of this second base rule just within a week. This is something that I think could seriously start affecting a lot of things, like both in baseball and fantasy for us. You know, if we have people trying to leg out uh, non-double play and we have things like that happening, it's it's really going to affect batting averages on base percentage, things like that. Yeah, this Utley rule is pretty interesting. Um, you know, obviously, if this is something they're going to – mandate and you know the majors from here on out they're definitely going to have to do what i feel that the nfl should do not going to go on an nfl tangent but you know a lot of the rules that the nfl has as far as dbs wide receivers are concerned i feel like you know once those rules happen up there it needs to be a trickle down effect those rules need to be in college those rules need to be in high school those rules even need to be in peewee and i think with baseball it's kind of the same thing where you know if you're going to have this rule be in the majors obviously you know it's year 1 of this rule a lot of people are going to forget about it a lot of people are not really going to understand how it works but i think that if major league baseball is going to put this rule into play it's going to have to be kind of a trickle down effect and they're going to have to start with little league well, not necessarily Little League, but at least high school in terms of, you know, being able to uh, slide into second base a certain way in order to, you know, break up double plays and whatnot. So I I think, you know, especially with baseball too, you know, you find yourself with these umpires who can't really see straight, um, you know, the, the Joe West of the world. And so – it's very difficult to kind of, you know, gauge something where, you know, you're trusting some of probably the worst umpiring, you know, in all of sports, uh, all things considered, where, you know, you're having to have asked them for a certain judgment on a certain rule in a certain play. So hopefully this gets straightened out. Uh, you know, hopefully it's not like, you know, the amount of flags that were thrown in the NFL last year where, you know, they're just – they're taking the rule and making it a little bit too literal where, you know, they're not actually taking the rule and deciding, okay, is this, you know, a violation and is, or am I just following, you know, the letter of the law kind of thing? Yeah. Oh, and I agree completely with uh, the NFL, NBA, any sport. When you're going to implement game-changing rules like this, it needs to start young enough that it's ingrained in play by the time they get to this level and there isn't confusion about it. And, I mean, you know, I could go on for days about the umpire problem in baseball. That's, that's an ugly situation for a different show. <laughs> Speaking of ugly. Okay, so we knew it was going to be bad with these teams. Lots of youngsters, a lot of roster churn, but the Twins and the Braves have been nasty bad to start the season. The Twins, uh, as of, you know, coming into the show – 0-6, the Braves 0-5. Uh, 
just getting dominated against the teams they're playing. It, it, it's not looking good for these teams that have a lot of promise from their youngsters. I mean, with the Twins, we were talking about Plouffe in top five first base or third baseman, excuse me. So uh, things have not gone well to start the season for those two. Well, I kind of figured this was going to happen to the Braves. I, when yeah. the season started, their roster from up to down, it just didn't look good at all. And then, you know, with the Twins, I'm actually kind of surprised. You know, I thought, it, you know, the Twins not necessarily had, like, a really, really good squad, but had a squad that would at least compete in that AL Central. And to see them where they're at right now, obviously it's still early in the season, but it's not good to start the season, you know, winless. So I I would be in panic mode if I was a Minnesota Twins fan, considering, you know, it seems like it's been forever uh, since they were, you know, even mildly competitive within that division. Well, yeah, you know, they bring in Paul Molitor, the great, the Brewer great, the twin great, uh, hometown hero kind of to spice things up. You have Byron Buxton, uh, Plouffe, um, you know, I'm terrible with names, but a couple other really good young players that were supposed to be making an impact. Um, you're in the twilight years of Maurer's career. Um, it, it was kind of do or die time for them, and it's it's not looking good. Um just speaking of off to a horrible start, the Pirates really, really did not start things well. Um, lost their first three games by a combined 25 to nothing. Just got annihilated by the Dodgers, you know. But to give them credit, I guess, they, they were facing uh, some dominant pitching performances, really good defense, and it was often went off, obviously. Uh, they did bounce back well, though. Um, anything you visit Coors after an ass beating like that is good bounce back material. They won two out of three against the Rockies, and they actually scored 32 runs in three games, 29 of them in the first two. I wonder if the Padres are good. This is what we get from them this season a lot of boomer bust. Obviously, with the Uptons, you always see the boomer bust candidates with, you know, get a hit or strike out, nothing in between. Um, what are they going to do when Matt Kemp gets injured again? Lots of lots of unknowns here for me currently. What I don't understand about the Padres right now is why aren't they having Derek Norris bat second like he has in years past? Uh, yeah. Often I've looked at the lineup and Derek Norris has been batting sixth, batting seventh, and I don't understand. You know, he's kind of he's kind of your catalyst where, you know, kind of jump start the team, get them going, you know, early. And I think it's really hurting the team more than they think having them bat so low in the order. You know, I, I don't understand it. You know, you, you look at the lineups, you see them facing a lefty, uh, especially at Coors, you know, he was facing lefty the other day at Coors and he's batting six. So I think, you know, you're doing your team a great disservice by, you know, messing with something that kind of works. You know, I think that, you know, a lot of the time, some of these teams, they get too involved in the analytics of it all and try and get a little bit too cute. I think this is a situation where they're getting a little bit too cute, and they obviously, I feel like, need to move Derek Norris back up to the top of the order to kind of jumpstart that offense and at least have them being somewhat mildly competitive day in, day out, where, you know, I look at their lineups day in, day out. If I don't see Derek Norris in top of the order, I automatically assume they're not going to score more than three runs. You know, that's a good point, though. And even going back to his days in Oakland, uh, Bob Melvin loves experimenting with his catchers towards the hop, top of the order, especially if they got a little pop or a little speed like Stephen Boat. Um, so it's something Derek Norris is used to. It's a spot he hits well from. 
And I just don't know why you wouldn't take advantage of that, especially if you're struggling. So you're right. Sometimes, I mean, honestly, sometimes these managers baffle me. Like, I, I don't know what they're doing. But, you know, that, they're the ones getting paid millions to do it, not us. So they must be doing something right. Um, right. You know what was not doing something right the other night, though? Uh, Pablo Sandoval's belt. I swear to God, I watched this clip like 10 times. This has no fantasy relevance. This barely has baseball relevance. But Pablo Sandoval finally gets an at-bat and swings so hard, he blows out his belt and has to rip it off as he runs to first. That was just like, that was as if things couldn't have gone worse for him to start this season. I feel like that was like the lowest point. That was like his butt fumble, like for Mark Sanchez. You know what I mean? Like he can only come up from here. Yeah, it's rough for Sandoval right now. You know, obviously, start the year, uh, Travis Shaw took his job. I think they were in the late innings earlier today, and, you know, Pablo Sandoval wasn't even called to pinch hit. So it's it's getting a little bit ugly for him in Boston. You know, I feel like, you know, Boston's probably going to move him at some point. You know, having paying him all that money to just sit on the benches, a bit ludicrous at this point. So, We'll see what happens with Pablo Sandoval. As far as it's trying to make this fantasy relevant, I said this before on Twitter, and I kind of still feel this way about Pablo Sandoval, where, you know, if you drafted him, I, I guess you're kind of in a holding pattern. Obviously, yeah, you know, there's a Trevor Story out there in the waiver wire. You drop Sandoval in a heartbeat and go pick up Trevor Story. Just to at least be on your roster for if you even want to just flip him. Uh but I think with Sandoval, you know, if you have him, he's on your squad. There's not really anything on the waiver wire right now for you to pick up. I think I would just hold. You know, if I'm in a five five by five mix roto league, I'd probably hold just to kind of see what kind of information is going to come out because, you know, in the next couple of months, teams are going to be looking for players uh, before the trade deadline in July to try and, you know, bolster their roster, you know, or injuries happen and they need to get another bat in there. So, and I think that probably Pablo Sandoval will probably be one of the bats that other teams will probably inquire with the Red Sox and acquiring. Um, obviously, the Red Sox are probably going to eat a lot of that contract. But at the same time, Pablo Sandoval doesn't have any fantasy value right now, obviously, but I think long-term there's still there's, there's, there's a chance. There's a slim chance, and no, I'm not talking about Pablo Sandoval's waistline. That that will never ever be slim. <laughs> you know, I, I I agree with you though. Um, if if I have Pablo on my roster right now, if there's nobody on the waiver wire that I'm jumping to get, and I don't really have any injury concerns, I'll throw him on the bench and hold on to him because he's gonna get traded. There, there's no way they're not gonna trade him by the deadline. Um, especially if you see somebody like Miami making a push, I could see them trading for him. Um, maybe even the Rangers, who have a really good trade history with Boston, make a lot of trades at the deadline if they think they can get that division. Um, you know, bring him in as a DH, a third base or a first base supplement for anybody. Um, so I, I feel like if he goes somewhere else, he does have a lot of fantasy value. But right now, like you said, like just, just nothing. Um, about as much fantasy value as all of the guys that got injured last week. Uh, you know, we always talk about, and I think this is, holds true for every sport. 
Um, and we see this on Twitter a lot. It's like, oh, my God, there's never been this many injuries to start the season. Well, no, there, there pretty much always is. It's just for whatever reason, there was five or six guys that you were really focused on fantasy-wise that got injured. So it, it was a bigger blow to you personally. But, like, holy shit, some top-end guys got hurt last week. Um, Kyle Schwarber, for one, probably the biggest one, the most talked about one, um, that hard collision in the outfield. And, you know, I, I like what John, Joe Madden, John Madden, it was John Madden's birthday today, so happy birthday to the coach there. But Joe Madden yep. uh, happened to talk about it after the game, and he said, you know, that's, that's how Schwarber plays. He's a young player. He, he's going to go hard for a ball, and you can't fault him for getting injured, giving his all. But at the same time, hopefully he learns from it and maybe you know goes a little less hard and plays it a little more safe in the future. This is a big injury for them, though. Uh, they're kind of stacked in the field. So I think like as far as defense and on-base percentage and base hits and runs scored, they're still going to be okay. But they just took a huge power element out of their lineup for the season. This hurts the Cubs. This hurts their playoff chances. I mean, I don't think this knocks them out of the playoffs, but this is a big blow to them. Uh, fantasy-wise, this is a guy I said could be like a top three catcher slash outfielder for fantasy. This is a guy a lot of people were drafting super high. Um, on ESPN leagues, he was owned in 98.2% of leagues before he got massively dropped this week. So I think like out of all the guys that got injured, he's probably the one that's really going to have the biggest ramifications. Yeah, you know, outside of the whole Pollock news to start the season, I, yeah. I would have to agree with you. I think that, you know, Kyle Swarberger was probably the biggest injury-related news last week. Uh, hearing rumors of the Cubs right now working Baez in AAA as an outfielder, they switched him from uh, second base or whatever he was playing in AAA to left field today. Uh, it's Madden in the organization saying, you know, let's get him about 20 at-bats out there, and then they're probably going to bring him up and have him play left field for the Cubs for the rest of the season. Obviously, I agree with you 100%. Huge, huge hit to their ball club uh, in terms of what they were planning on doing for this season. Uh, Baez is no Swarberger whatsoever, but I think that, you know, if Bias is out there on the waiver wire and say, actually, if you're in the situation earlier where we were talking about Pablo Sandoval, I would actually probably drop Pablo Sandoval for Baez and as a speculative ad, just to kind of see where they, you know, put Baez if they put him, you know, towards the top of the order, uh, just to kind of have somebody up there or they're probably going to end up moving. Hopefully they move Addison Russell towards the top of the order uh, to try and, you know, get an extra, you know, good bat up there. But Baez, he presents kind of an interesting option. You know, he has decent amount of power. Uh, I just think it's probably going to have to solely settle on whether or not he's going to hit at the top of the order for the Cubs or not, as far as what kind of real fantasy value he'll be able to bring uh, in terms of, you know, run production, uh, getting on base and getting steals. Uh, he's not going to light the world on fire, but at the same time, he's probably going to be a warm body that's going to be playing for the Cubs almost regularly out there in left field. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, another, so young outfielder, um, and probably the brightest spot for the Braves, the guy they were really counting on, um, Ender, what is it, Inciarte? Let's go with that. Um, 
injured hamstring at least 15 days on the DL. Um, even if he comes back, you know, hamstring injuries are one of those that you always kind of have to watch. Uh, this could affect his base running abilities, um, you know, could cut down on stolen bases, doubles, things like that. Um, if he's a guy that swings from his legs, this even could affect his pop. Um, so I know a lot of people drafted him pretty high. He had like an average seventh round draft, which I was thought was kind of insane for a rookie playing for a crap team. But this this is going to be one that kind of affects a lot of people. And like you said, you know, um, maybe you didn't have Schwarber on your roster, but if Baez is available, I think he's a, a decent replacement here. Yeah, he's a decent replacement. Uh, obviously, what we said earlier, you know, the the Braves stink. Uh, you know, they they they're they're quite bad, and the fantasy value wasn't really all that. You know, the ceiling wasn't all that high. So, if you have him, yeah, you lost him. But I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find somebody to supplement him. Yeah, but you know, you won't be looking at the Dodgers to get that replacement. Um, that outfield is hurting. You know, they got rid of Matt Kemp thinking they had too many outfielders to play. Uh, Andre Ether was just moved to the 60-day DL with that leg knee injury. Um, and then Carl Crawford was put on the 15-day with another back injury, the most expensive injury player ever. Um, and Scott Van Slyke was d- is day-to-day with a back injury as well, who is rumored to be maybe headed towards the DL. Um, you're looking at Jacques Peterson is the only healthy outfielder right there. They're going to be platooning guys left and right. Um, it's going to be a really hard situation to figure out fantasy-wise. Um, I'm probably not trying to roster any of their outfielders in a season-long type league besides Jacques Peterson until we kind of get an idea of if they're going to play somebody more daily or if it's going to be a more platoon. Um, but in daily, you know, there's always value everywhere. Um, play the matchups. Look at the lineups. Uh, but it's Carl Crawford still had a lot of fantasy value, at least on paper. You know, he was well-drafted. Uh, Scott Van Slyke as well. Andre Ether, not so much just because of the injury, but as far as team's outfielders are concerned, and we can even throw Shin Chu Chu, Shin Su Chu. God, I can't say that guy's name. <laughs> Into the mix. Another calf injury, 15-day DL stint. Um, fantasy outfield is kind of in tatters at the moment. Yeah, I think the, what the the Rangers called up Maza or whatever his name is to kind of be a bat on the bench. I'm surprised they didn't really call up Gallo. Yeah. Gallo's raking down there in AAA, but we'll see how that situation stakes out down there in Texas. I think that, you know, if you if you have a spot available on your roster, I would probably speculatively add Gallo just for – because, you know, they wanted to try and get him at bats. It didn't look like he'd be able to get any at bats this season just due to kind of a, it being maybe Beltre swan song year. Although, you know, Beltre's on his last legs. So I don't know what they're doing here, but that's another story for another day. As far as the Rangers is concerned, I would probably pick up Gallo before I would pick up Maza. Uh, obviously, Maza's up right now, but Gallo's hot right now down there in AAA. And I, as long as he keeps raking down there in AAA, he's going to force their hand and he's going to force a call-up. Uh, the outfit situation for the Dodgers, I, I agree with you completely. I think the Jock's probably the only guy that – I see rosterable right now in fantasy baseball. But at the same time, you know, he kind of came in from spring training and a little nicked up. Uh, his numbers aren't all that great to start the year as well. So 
when you look at the Dodgers situation, it kind of just seems like a situation where you would avoid, yeah, you know, they've had, you know, offensive outbursts, but, you know, let's be honest, those were against the Padres to start the year. And so we're going to have to see how the situation shakes out, but as of right now, it doesn't look like any of the outfield for the Dodgers holds any kind of value. Um, you know, if you have Jock, I feel like he might be somebody that you would want to move right now. Not necessarily a sell high, buy low kind of situation. Just kind of just move, move them laterally. You know, get something in return that you know is similar value. Just because I'm not really sold on the situation for the Dodgers right now. Um, we'll see how it shakes out in a month or two. But buyer beware uh, of any of these Dodgers outfielders because, like you said, you know it's kind of been an injury cesspool for like the last few years. Yeah, sadly, this is nothing new with a lot of promising players, uh, even Matt Kemp, who's not there anymore. Um, and, you know, coming into the season, we had quite a few pitchers, um, you know, going on the DL from spring injuries or not making their debuts this season until, like, end of May. Um, so Jacob DeGrom, wonderful pitcher from the Mets, uh, drafted very highly, uh, you know, with good reason. But sidelines with a back injury now, his status is uncertain uh, it's one of those things where it's going to be day-to-day. If he misses more than one start, it'll probably be a DL stint. Um, that's that's probably going to be a punch in the gut to a lot of teams. Uh, but, you know, we're going to take a break in just a second, and we're going to talk about, you know, waiver wires and stuff like that. So th- there's going to be some guys available to hopefully fill in a little bit if it's a long-term thing. But, you know, if this is like a season ender or something that lasts into the summer, I, I think even with the waiver wire, you're probably not going to find a decent replacement, especially as high as you drafted DeGrom. Yeah, there's no way you're going to be able to find a replacement as high as you drafted DeGrom. You're exactly right right there. I think that you, if you own DeGrom, and I I own a couple of shares here and there, I think one's in a head-to-head league, so I don't really give a shit there. But <laughs> – uh, in my Roto League, I'm a little bit concerned due to the fact that it is a back injury, and history shows with back injuries and pitchers, they nag. Uh, they are very, very nagging injuries for pitchers, and if it's a back injury now that makes him miss his first start, it's probably going to be that same back injury in, in June or July. So it's a situation where, you know, if you have them right now, obviously you're not going to be able to sell them for anything great. But I think that, you know, you monitor the situation while he's going to be put on the DL. And then when he gets back from his first couple, if he gets back from his first start, he's probably going to have, you know, a a rough go, rough outing. Say like he does pretty decent that second start, I would sell him right then and there. Uh, I think this is an injury that's probably going to nag for the rest of the year. And if you're a DeGrom owner, I would be panicking right now. I would be straight up panicking because you're losing, you know, about – you know, I would say like 160 to 170 strikeouts. And like you said, that's going to be tough to replace. I, I just don't see it happening. Well put, sir. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to take a look at a little bit of everything for everyone. We're going to have some waiver wire action for our season-long guys, uh, as well as some hot hitters and some not-so-hot hitters to maybe target in DFS this week. Uh, thanks for listening to Rounding Third. We'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sign up at ownthepay.com using referral code R3P for special promotions when you make your first deposit. Then test your skills and play head-to-head with Nick and T. 
Welcome back, folks. This is Rounding Third Podcast with your boy at Hooday on Twitter, spelled with a U, not an O. And I got my boy in the house with me tonight at Nick Schlegel on the so-called Fantasy Experts Network. Right now, we're probably going to get into some waiver wire talk, Nick. I don't know. Yeah, so, you know, whenever I talk season-long, I guess I do most of my season-long leagues on ESPN. Um, I do Yahoo, too, but I find ESPN numbers to be more indicative of uh, what everybody as a whole in fantasy is doing and thinking, because I think that's everybody's go-to for season-long. So, pouring over the waiver wire there, found some good action for a lot of positions if you're battling injuries from all the guys we just talked about, or if you just need to bolster your roster because Mike Trout's sucking ass. Uh, first guy I hit on, I really liked, uh, Chris Tillman from Baltimore. Uh, he's pitched two games, uh, seven innings pitched, only given up four hits, one earned run, uh, 1.29 ERA and 10 strikeouts. Uh, a solid starting pitcher candidate has some decent matchups coming up. Uh, you know, I think if you had to Grom or if you just need some help at pitcher, he's a really good pickup and only, sorry, excuse me, only 25% owned. For a guy like Tillman, he, he's a very interesting case where I, I feel like with Tillman, the the skill set has always been mildly attractive, but he finds himself in a situation where he plays for the Orioles, and those matchups when he's facing Toronto, Boston, New York, they're not the matchups where you're just like, oh, yay, let me just plug Tillman into my lineup, and he's going to do good. Now, you know, the start that he's had has been against those clubs. So I guess maybe he's turned the corner. Obviously, if he's still out there on the waiver wire, I would go ahead and grab him at least while he's pitching well right now. But I think that Tillman's probably definitely going to be somebody that where the bottom's going to fall out and he's going to have one of those starts where he gets shellacked for like seven earned runs in the first inning and then Uriar is going to explode. So... With Tillman, I think that right now, yes, he's going to have some starts while he's pitching well where he's going to put up some fantastic numbers. I think, you know, he's definitely probably somebody you can target in DFS just due to the fact that I don't think he's going to be priced extremely high. You probably see him in around the, you know, the 7,000, the 8,000, 6,000 range, which is pretty good. Uh, you'll probably get a lot of value out of him that way. But as far as the season long is concerned, I'm not sure if rostering him long term is the answer, but definitely short term, get him while he's hot. Absolutely. Uh, another one that I, for me is, right now, and this is a guy we had, did talk about in our preseason show, a must add, Nick Hunley, the catcher in Colorado. Uh, currently speaking, he's only owned in 32% of ESPN leagues, which is criminally low. It's like people weren't even drafting him. Right now, he's hitting 333, uh, on base percentage of 475, and slugging 600. One home run, three RBIs, and four walks. So he's showing good patience at the plate. Uh, heads home to Colorado to start the week. Yes, it's against the Giants, but Colorado's Colorado. Um, I think if you can get him right now and get him right into your roster, it's really good. But just long term, this is a guy that we talked about, you know, sneaky top five catcher candidate. Uh, and he's owned in less than half the leagues in ESPN. Go out there and, you know, beat the shit out of your friends and get this guy. Yeah, Nick Hulley's always been kind of a decent catcher. Uh, unfortunately for him, he hasn't, you know, had the extreme amount of pop you would like to kind of 
go out there and draft him, you know, in those middle rounds and have him as your catcher. But I think that right now, especially in the situation that he's in playing for Colorado, and most of the days where I've seen him in the batting order, he's batting fifth. You know, most of the time that's behind, you know, Cargo, Arenado. So he's kind of in a very favorable situation where, you know, he's playing for a team. The ballpark's a little bit smaller than when he played out there in San Diego. And so, you know, you're looking at a guy right now who, yeah, a year ago he only hit 10 home runs, but, you know, he wasn't really that healthy when he was with the Rockies. Uh, You know, he only played in about 360 games or only had 360 bats. And so, you know, with the 10 home runs, if he's healthy, you know, you're looking at a guy that could probably give you, you know, double-digit home runs out of that catcher slot and not hurt your batting average, which that's pretty attractive. You know, I, you know, to be honest, I don't think his ceiling's anything more than 15 home runs. But I think 15 home runs, if you're getting a guy that's especially just kind of out on the waiver wire right now and he's not going to hurt your batting average, I say why not? Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because catcher's been kind of a hit or miss position this season. Um, guys like Devin Masarocco have kind of struggled, um, who we thought would do better. Um, but two guys we talked about earlier in the show that are both – for me, kind of criminally under-owned as well, Eugenio Suarez and Tyler White, both owned in less than 39% of leagues. Um, If you need third base, first base, DH, uh, maybe even a little shortstop action uh, to better your team, these are two guys that I would be going all out to add, you know, dropping a... You know, and this is... Hey, here's a perfect example. These are... Especially with Suarez, who's kind of guaranteed playing time, that's somebody I might drop Pablo Sandoval for. Oh, yeah, I think 100% you drop Pablo Sandoval for Suarez if you're in a mixed roto league. Um, you know, outside of Suarez, there really just, really just isn't that many attractive options at third base, though. And I think you're right. Uh, you're on to something, especially with Suarez, though, where he kind of doubles his third base shortstop. Uh, he can fill in some of those weird leagues where you have middle infield and you have infield as positions. He can fill that gap. He can fill that void in both positions, especially when, you know, certain people have off days. And so I think that you find yourself in a situation where a lot of people probably aren't buying into the hype where they see the only, you know, four home runs, you know, only four or five home runs out of Suarez compared to, you know, Trevor Story's seven. Um, they're just not buying into the hype right now with the Reds. I think I think the Reds – are in a situation where people are kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, the Reds are 5-1. and one. Oh, that's not going to last. And I think that, you know, they're going to have to start, you know, taking the numbers into account. And I think that Suarez has excellent numbers to where he legitimately needs to be on in more leagues at this point right now. Um, Tyler White, not so much, just due to the fact that where he plays, uh, there's a lot of depth in that position. But, at the same time, there's been a lot of injuries at that position, too. So you can definitely get Tyler White, get him into your lineups as well. I think both of these are excellent candidates who must be picked up right now. And so, okay, so question for you, something um, we had kind of touched on earlier. Uh, with Suarez, especially like you said, too, um, there's kind of the backlog of numbers, uh, minimal major league at-bats and good minors numbers that kind of support what he's doing. You know, this isn't so much a fluke, I think, 
this is natural progression, and he's he's playing well. And as as long as Cincinnati continues to play well, he's he's going to get the at bats. He's going to get the playing time. Um, so is this somebody that like right now speaking, there's two third basemen that we talked about as being possible top five candidates. Uh, Kyle Seeger, who I guess more of a shortstop, but gets gets listed as a third baseman as well. Um, and Trevor Plouffe, uh hitting 174 and 150 respectively. Uh, are either of these guys someone right now, just a weekend, you'd be willing to drop to add Suarez? I would probably drop Ploof in a heartbeat to add Suarez. The, the Seeger one's an interesting one because, you know, I think Seeger has a little bit more pop than Suarez if you, you know, put a complete body of work for the rest of the season you know, I think we see Seager probably hitting, you know, 23 to 25 home runs where, you know, realistically right now out of Suarez, I probably have a ceiling at about 20. Uh, but I think that Suarez's numbers overall are going to be a little bit better than Seager's. And so I would I would consider dropping Seager, but I think that you'll be able to get some kind of a value out of Seager by trading him rather than just dropping him outright. But... The way that Seager's been playing here lately, especially with Cano being as hot as he has been, uh, you would think that you know it would kind of rub off on Seager a little bit, but it, it just it just hasn't so far. And so I'd be a little bit worried about Seager's numbers long term as far as him being able to have a respectable average. Where I think that Suarez right now, if you switch the two, I think that Suarez will provide a decent amount of average. I uh, you know two eighty, two ninety hitter the rest of the way, whereas, you know, if Seager's struggling now, I think Seager's the type of hitter where he could probably struggle for quite a while, and, you know, waiting until June or July for him to heat up might just be a little bit too late. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I agree with you. I think Ploof is someone I would just straight up drop, whereas I might try to get some trade value out of Seager. Uh, and speaking of drops, really, looking at, you know, the numbers, the ownership percentages, things like that, there was really only one guy I thought that was probably droppable based on ESPN ownership percentages anyway. Um, Kettle Marte from Seattle, just struggling early, um, got moved to the bottom of the order where you and I both remarked that he would not be able to produce. And if he already wasn't producing at the top of the order, the bottom of the order is just a wasteland there in Seattle. Um, and, you know, because ESPN is so bad about listing everyone's positions, you can play Suarez at shortstop. So, again, Kettle Marte is owned in 65% of leagues. Drop him. Grab Suarez, who's only owned in 36%, and, you know, significantly improve your team. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess, you know, people like shiny new toys. Uh, you know, Marte got a lot of hype coming into the year. Uh, I think the Mariners got a lot of hype as, as a team, you know, kind of a, as a bounce-back candidate because they didn't really perform the way that everyone thought they were going to a year ago. And so I think that, you know, especially considering where Marte was batting at the top of the order to start the to start the season, now he's at the bottom of the order. Now you're starting to see the regression hit him a little bit harder than the most would. And there's the chance that, you know, he ends up going back down to AAA and, you know, working some stuff out and then coming back up or whatever. So I agree with you, man. You know, if you got, if you got Marte, switch him out for Suarez. It should be an easy swap. Absolutely. And swapping from, you know, the yearly, the season-long aspect, 
And looking at DFS just for a minute, a few guys that I really like for this week. Uh, one, Buster Posey opens the week with three games at Coors Field. He's on a hot streak. Um, you know, if you're going to pay for a premium player, Buster's a good one to go for this week. Uh, another guy I really like is Scooter Jeanette with the Brewers. Um, right now, he's an absolute play against righties. He's hitting 400, and that was before today's game against St. Louis because that was early in the day. So actually, he's doing better than this. But 400 with two home runs and two RBIs. Uh, especially in St. Louis there, he has hit safely in all 18 career games he's played there. Uh, and he's pushing for more playing time against lefties as well, something he really struggled with last year. Um, he is two for four so far against lefties with a home run. So I think, you know, he starts three games, well, two games now against righties, um, and then three games against lefties still this week. I say against righties, an absolute play, especially at his value. Um, we I have him listed as a value play here, too, at only 3400 on only play. So, I mean, that's a really good price for a second baseman that's mashing right now. Um, and watch him against the lefties. Uh, I think if he gets the start, uh, Craig Council feels it's because he was hitting well in, in batting practice. Something was clicking, and there's a good chance he's probably going to play well. And then Jose Abreu, um, playing really, really well to start the season. Um, looking at really favorable matchups uh, in four of six starts on the road where he actually has pretty good splits so far to start the season. Um, and he's a guy that's not overly priced too badly on any of the daily fantasy sets. So that's someone I'm definitely targeting as well. Yeah, Braves definitely do to have, you know, those, those spurts where he hits, you know, three, four, five home runs in a week. Uh, we haven't seen that yet, but like you said, all the other numbers are still solid with the Brayu. Uh, obviously you're just waiting on the pop to happen a little bit more consistently. And so I like a Brady's value. I've always loved the Brady's value. I think with first baseman, you can always find some kind of value, especially around that Jose Abreu area uh, where he's like the seventh, eighth, ninth, sometimes even 10th uh, highest priced first baseman in many DFS sites. A lot of the other guys are, very, very good plays. I like the Scooter Gwinnett play. Um, I actually rode him over the weekend, you know, in a, in a couple of DFS leagues. And he, you're right, man. He's raking. Uh, as long as he's hitting at the top of that lineup, as opposed to where a year ago he was hitting towards the bottom of the lineup, I think that's where the value comes into play with Scooter, where he needs to be hitting at the top of the order. Uh, and, and he's really kind of seizing – uh, this playing time and demanding that he gets to play every single day. So kudos to Craig Council for, you know, seeing something in him and not giving up on him completely. And kudos to Scooter for, you know, putting this game together. Uh, other DFS targets that I kind of like coming into the week, uh, it's not really much. I mean, it's just more, I guess, more of the guys that I would kind of avoid. I guess I would avoid Votto for now. Uh, he's not really producing the way that you would like him to produce. Really, really struggling. Uh, a lot of the pieces surrounding Votto are good plays. Votto himself has not been a good play, in, even when he's had favorable matchups. I uh, would probably avoid him. Uh, obviously, you play Trevor Story if he's not the highest price shortstop until he stops hitting. And then, uh, you know, on the pitching side, I kind of like what uh, – what's his name? I'm trying to think. I kind of like what Seymour is doing in St. Louis right now. Obviously, 
the control, it's going to be erratic from game to game. But I think that, you know, you're going to get the strikeouts from him, and I think that he is a very favorable start this week as far as his pitching is concerned. Yeah, I, I like all of those, and I agree with you. Um, a couple, and you know, I, it's really funny as I almost put Votto in the duds uh, list for us, and I was just like, ah, oh, I don't want to hurt T's feelings, so I'll leave him off. But you're right, uh, he is struggling, and the batters around him are still benefiting from from Joey Votto just being in the lineup. You know, by name he's Joey Votto, by reputation he's still Joey Votto. Um, so it, pitchers are still looking to pitch around him more than the guys in the lineup that are actually hitting better than him. So until he gets hot, I'm avoiding him, but I like what he can still provide for his teammates and where you can find some good value in some other reds then. Uh, some other guys that I'm kind of avoiding, we talked about Plouffe, definitely Seager, uh, Freddie Freeman in the dumps for first baseman, hitting one, a slash line of 125, 125, 125. Uh, he just looks lost at the plate. I'm absolutely, and he's so highly priced still. So that's a guy I'm definitely avoiding. And then my dude Gerardo Parra, who I said would benefit from everyday playing time in Colorado. Uh, he struggled a bit. Went 0 for 4 on Sunday with an error. Uh, I think until it, he swings around, which probably won't take long. This isn't. This is a guy that's never hot for too long and never slumps for too long. He's kind of just average, which is good in fantasy. You know, you can count on him. Uh, he's probably another guy I'm gonna avoid. Yeah, and this is obvious, folks, but you don't play Mike Trout if Mike Trout's not hitting. So you're not going to be paying Mike Trout price to be like, oh, okay, I got the extra money to spend. Let me just throw Mike Trout into my lineup. No, don't do that, folks. You're just throwing away your money at this point. Until Mike Trout starts hitting about 280, 270 at least, Avoid. Exactly. So well put. Mike Trout is literally one game, bad game away from the Mendoza line. Don't waste the money for, you know, the top or the top three priced outfielder when you can get someone uh, who's going to provide tremendous more upside for about half the price. And speaking of which, stay tuned. We're going to take one last quick break. When we get back, we will indeed look at some guys that you can spend a lot less money on that are going to give you much better value than Mike Trout. Uh, thanks for listening to Rounding Third. We'll be right back. And now, Value Plays of the Week, presented by OwnThePlay.com, the only daily fantasy site with real-time ownership percentages. Live the game at OwnThePlay.com. Welcome back to Rounding Third on the So-Called Fantasy Experts Network. We're going to end the show with our Own the Play Value Plays of the Week. Uh, these numbers are taken strictly from our web, the website sponsor, OwnThePlay.com. Starting off with pitcher, we have some really good values uh, for upcoming starts this week. Kyle Hendricks of the Cubs at 5,400. Doug Fister in Houston at 6,400. Edison Volquez in Kansas City, probably my best value here at only 6,700. Um, just inside the top 10 for pitching prices. So you can get some pretty good value there. Um, Miguel Montero in Chicago, 3,400 at the catcher position. Nick Hundley, a guy we talked about earlier, uh, only 3,300. In Houston, again, as long as he's playing, we have Tyler White coming in at 4,200. Uh, Miami, first baseman Jason Bohr coming at 3,700. Uh, Scooter Jeanette, who we just talked about, 3,400 at second base for Milwaukee. Uh, Eduardo Suarez and Zach Cozart for Cincinnati, both at 3,600. 
probably to me, arguably like the best values on this list. Uh, they're both within the top five uh, fantasy points per game on on the play at their respective positions. And they're like basement prices. So those are two guys I'm really targeting. Um, and then the barrage of Chicago outfielders, really good replacements for your Mike Trout. Dexter Fowler, 5.5 points per game on on the play. Number one outfielder so far. Uh, only 5,300, really good value there. Uh, and Jason Hayward and Ben Zobris as well, coming in at 4,600 and 4,800 respectively. Uh, your dude, Jay Bruce in Cincinnati, another guy I think who could benefit from just being in the lineup with Joey Votto at only 4,000. And Christian Yelich, a guy you talked about as being you know, quite the stud this year for Miami. Basement prices at 3,900. So I think after the first week of baseball, some really good prices. And I think the one that surprised me the most, and I don't want to call it a value because it's like top five pricing, but Trevor's story is still only 4,700. Um, there, you know, there are for shortstops, he's near the highest position, but in the scope of things, he's not even top 20 pricing. That's still a really good value for me when you can go in there and get the numbers you're looking for from Mike Trout, probably from Trevor's story for half the price. Yeah. I, I feel this way about Trevor's story now in, in daily fantasy where, most of the time, it's going to be Carlos Correa, who's the number one price shortstop. Uh, for example, you know, on, on other sites, I've, I've seen Carlos Correa being listed at, you know, like five grand. And then, you know, Trevor Story's at, you know, 4200 I still think that's value. I mean, call me crazy, but, I mean, as long as I can squeeze in some, some money somewhere else, I'll take Trevor Story all day, every day over Carlos Correa if he's not, you know, priced similarly to him at this point in the season. So I think you're definitely right about that. I love the Chicago outfielders uh, as far as his plays, especially Dexter Fowler. I have another healthy obsession with Dexter Fowler for some odd, strange reason. And then uh, Edison Volquez. I really like Edison Volquez, especially right now, uh, not even only in DFS. I think especially in season-long leagues, I think Edison Volquez is definitely going to present – great value the rest of the way. The Ks are still there. I think the ERA is respectable enough to be a part of anyone's staff in mixed leagues. And I I like everything that you said so far, for sure. Folks, get out there on, on theplay.com and go play. Get you some money this week. Folks, uh, that's it for us. Uh, it's your boy, Ed Hude, on Twitter, with my co-host at Nick Schlegel. This has been another edition of Rounding Third Podcast on the so-called Fantasy Experts Network. Folks, make sure you go check out my stuff over at Fantasy Pros, XN Sports, over at so-calledfantasyexperts.com, and, of course, over at fantasysixpack.net. Make sure you go check out my boy at Nick Slego on Twitter. Anything else you want to add, Nick? Don't forget to please, please, please check us out on iTunes, Rounding Third Podcast. Uh, like, subscribe, leave us a rating so we can get up there and get more listens. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next Monday. See you next Monday, folks. for listening. Don't forget to check out socalledfantasyexperts.com for rankings, strategies, tips, DFS content, other podcasts, and more.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.